We've been looking at Luke's gospel for a few weeks now before Christmas and now we've picked it up again. We're in the second half of his biography of Jesus and we've seen that by, by now, by the time we, we join the story as it were, Jesus is very much a man on a mission. He's heading towards Jerusalem. He knows what's going to happen there. He knows that all the events that we describe as Easter, to summarize them, the cross and the resurrection, that's where he's heading. And the disciples, the 12 disciples and others too, are with him on that journey. They're part of it. And they're learning as they go. They're learning what it really means to follow him. And last week we saw how how one of the lessons that Luke wants us to get hold of is that, that following him is about loving him about wanting to learn from him. And that the very best thing that we can choose in our lives is that, is, is wanting to, to love and to know God better. To, uh, and that, we saw that in that uh, story. You can read it in, in Luke 10 about Martha and Mary. Before then, Jesus had already said that eternal life is found in loving God with everything and in loving our neighbor as ourselves. And last week we saw that loving God, that that desire to to be with Christ, to know him is the very foundation. Without that, then we can't really love our neighbor as we should anyway. And as you can imagine, the disciples as they're traveling with Jesus, they must be thinking about it, pondering it. These priorities, loving God, listening to Jesus, having that priority in our life. what, What is all that about? How do we learn to follow Jesus You know, it's not just about they're realizing a a one-off time when they said, okay, Jesus, I'll follow you, that's it. It's it's the beginning of a journey with him. And for us, too, it's not just that, that we put our hand up in a meeting or we go to the front or we say a prayer. That may be how it begins, but it continues as we follow him, as we, we live a life in relationship with him. And they're getting it. They're gradually begin, beginning to see that clearly. Uh, and they, they're beginning to see as well that praying has got something to do with it because they see Jesus praying. And so they say to Jesus, teach us to pray. They ask him, teach us to pray. Let's have a look at Luke 11 and we'll read the first four verses. They're up on the screen. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. That's John the Baptist. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. That's what he tells them. There it is. We'll stop there for now. Prayer. Something that a lot of people do. People who do kind of uh, surveys reckon that all kinds of people, even if they're not completely religious or even not a little bit religious, will admit to praying at some time in their lives. And usually it can be quite a vague thing, maybe a kind of calling out sometimes, God help me or God help them. I remember when I lived in Warwick, my next door neighbor, uh, he was an old guy called Len. I may have told this story before. One day he said to me, he knew we were Christians. We used to talk to him. He said he, he came into our house. He was actually quite shaken. 
And he said, he said, you never guess what happened. He said, I was up in the loft and I was trying to get a really bendy plastic pipe from, from you know, one bit into the tank. And I, it was getting really frustrated. And I just said, oh, God, help me. And then suddenly it popped straight into the, the tank. Now, now, that was Len's prayer. I said, Len, well, God's answered that prayer. You know, maybe you should think about praying a bit more. Uh, you know, uh, that we, we pray those kind of prayers, don't we? Uh, and God is sometimes very, uh, well, he's always very gracious, but we see his grace sometimes in an immediate answer to those kind of prayers. But prayer is a bit mysterious. And often I think when other people start talking about praying, not that that didn't happen this morning, Martin, that was really helpful uh, and practical. But sometimes you, know, you talk to people who are into prayer or mysticism or meditation or, you know, and they start talking about praying. You scratch your head and you think, what? What is all that about? You know, it makes you feel really insecure. You think, well, I don't, I don't pray like that. You know, somebody says, well, I spend 20 hours a day meditating. You think, well, oh, that's not, not what I do. And I don't know whether that was what's going on with the disciples when they say, well, John the Baptist, he taught his disciples how to pray. And we've just heard about how good they are at praying Jesus. And would you teach us? We, you know, we feel a little bit inadequate. Maybe that was what's going on here. I don't know. But the point is they see Jesus praying and they want to have that for themselves. That's a good way to start. They see how Jesus knows God. They see how Jesus talks to God. They see the closeness of the relationship Jesus has with his Father in prayer. And they think, oh, if only I had a bit of that in our lives. We'd like that, they say. And they ask Jesus for that. Being with Jesus made them want to pray. It's not a bad place for us to start, is it? Being with Jesus, maybe being with others who are worshipping him. Maybe, I hope, being in a place like this today or some other church. Being kind of in his presence ought to make us want to pray. Gets the hunger for prayer going in it. And really, these disciples didn't realise, actually, they were onto something really big indeed. As they saw Jesus' relationship with his Father expressed in his praying expressed in his loving dependence on God, expressed in the joy he felt, expressed in the, the, the difference it made out of his, his praying to his Father God. They had no idea that they were going to be sharing in exactly that. And if you want to follow that, if you, you read John 17, when Jesus at the end of his life prays about the future, he, he says, look, the relationship I have with you, he prays to his Father God, that's going to be what my followers are going to have. But that was later. Let's get down to the nitty gritty of it. Jesus tells us how to pray. Jesus gives them a prayer they can pray. It's probably not the first time he's given this prayer. Some people say, well, you might be thinking, well, this isn't quite the Lord's Prayer. What's happened? Have you left some out? No, this is Luke's account. Um, In Matthew, there's another account of the Lord's Prayer at a different point in Jesus' ministry. That doesn't mean the Bible's contradicting itself. Not at all. Anyone who's heard teachers, you know, you'll hear they'll say the same thing more than once. And almost certainly Jesus would have used this example prayer more than once as he taught his disciples. And and here is a, a version of it. So he's saying, look, he may actually be referring back to the time he told them on the Sermon on the Mount. We hit read in, in Matthew, which is earlier on in his ministry. So look, that, that prayer I gave you, or, or here's the prayer, Father, hallowed be your name. He gives them a prayer that they can pray. And in this prayer, he starts by helping them and helping us to, first of all, Know 
who we're praying to. Okay? See, prayer isn't just some vague kind of experience, some kind of woolly feeling. We need to know who we're praying to. And he begins with that word, Father. See, that Father or our Father, uh, and some uh, versions or the other version has it, or the uh, who, art in, who, who is in heaven or who art that. Oh, oh, you know the old version. I've lost it. <laughs> Father. It's a very intimate word. It's the word that that kind of comes out of the Aramaic that Jesus would have spoke uh, at the time. It's the word, the family word that young kids would use for their father, for their daddy. Abba, it's sometimes translated in other parts of the New Testament. It talks of an intimacy. You know, and, and you didn't talk, if you were a Jew, you didn't talk to the Lord God of Israel in that way. You didn't call him father. He didn't kind of say Papa or Daddy or Father to the Lord, the Holy God of Israel, whose name was so holy that you wouldn't even write it down in its full form. No, you knew that the God of Israel had on one occasion uh, at least, and other times too probably, called uh, Israel my firstborn son. But that was for him to say. That wasn't for you to say to him. But Jesus introduces something quite different. He says to his followers, look, you can speak to God as your father. You can know God in an intimate, in a personal way. And father is a relationship word, isn't it? You can't call someone father if, if you're not in a relationship with, the, with you. And let me just drop an idea into your heads. Some of you can follow this up in your own thinking. But, but you see... God the Father has been the Father of Jesus from all of eternity. And Jesus has been the Son of God from the whole of eternity. And because that relationship of Father and Son and, and the love of the Spirit between them, because God lives it as it were, dwells for eternity in this community of loving persons, these three persons, he has always been the Father of Jesus. And Jesus now says to his disciples, my Father has always been in relationship with me and with the Holy Spirit, is inviting you to be in relationship with him. And that's only possible because God is a father of Jesus and we're invited into that relationship because God is personal. Persons, three persons, one being, Father, Son and Spirit. I read a great book called The Good God by a guy called Michael Reeves. If you want to follow that up, get the book. It's really excellent. Do you get cheap copies, Dawson's, at all? You do, okay. Nay Dawson can get you a cheap copy if, if, you, if you want a copy. It's a brilliant, brilliant, helpful book. So Father then, who do we pray to? We're praying to a Father who invites us to, to join in with a relationship of love that has been kind of overflowing between Father, Son and Spirit right from ever before the world, the universe was formed. And then Jesus says, look, there's something else you need to know and you need to know that this father, his name is holy. The God we pray to is our father. He is close. He is intimate. He can be personally known. But he has a name. He has a character. In Old Testament, in the Jewish thinking of the time, your name summed up your character. And his character, his name, is holy. 
And the character of God, his name has been revealed all through the Old Testament, all through the history of of his relationship with the, the Jewish people as we have in the Old Testament. And all the time he's been seen to be holy and righteous and good. He is holy. But he also has a purpose. He's kind of working. He's doing something. Because Jesus says, your kingdom come. This God rules. And although at present, the present time, we see that his rule is kind of resisted in our world. It's resisted in our lives. We're in rebellion against him until we put down our arms, as it were, and come back to God as Father because of Jesus and know him for ourselves. But because the rebellion is going on, his will is being resisted. His kingdom, it's, it's come in Jesus, it's started, but, but we're still waiting for it to be fully kind of finished and completed. And one day, this great movement of God's reign and God's rule will be complete and everything that is wrong is going to be put right. And that God is on that program And he's the God that we're praying to, a God with a program. So when we pray, it's to a father who is close to us. And it's to a Lord whose name is holy and must be revered as holy. A Lord who is working on a movement that is moving to the point when his name will be holy for everyone. Everyone will know it. So before we ask anything for ourselves, we come and we pray about him. We pray that his kingdom purpose will be fulfilled. We pray that his name will be known as holy. And we pray and live it out. Now, that's what this 21 days of prayer for Southampton is about. We talked a bit. We're, all the churches in Southampton, we're praying at different points together uh, and in our own churches for Southampton. And we're coming to our Father. But we're praying that his name will be hallowed. We're praying that his kingdom will come. Will come into our lives, come into our structures, come into the things that are wrong in our city and use us for that. We need to know who we're praying to. We know who we're praying to. But there's much more to it. Jesus says more. Not only do we know who we're praying to, but we know what we can ask for. It's in the second part of this from verse uh, 3 onwards. What can you ask for then? Well, it's quite simple, isn't it? First of all, he says you can ask for daily bread. You can ask for whatever you need for living. Ask that you'll be given enough. Ask your father for that, says Jesus. Your basic physical needs we can ask God for. He says you can ask for forgiveness. There it says, forgive us our sins. And that goes to the heart of our spiritual need, to to have the wrong in our lives put right, to have our, our relationship with God restored again, to know his forgiveness. Another thing we can pray for is for right relationships with other people. That's important. Because it says, forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone who sins against us. We're in a social kind of world. We sin against people. They sin against us. Jesus is saying, you can ask for your daily bread. That's really essential. You can ask for forgiveness, a right relationship with your God, with with the living God, our Father. You, You can also ask for right relationships with each other. They're really quite important things for well-being, aren't they? It's a good life when our relationships are okay. 
gets a bit sad and difficult when they get broken and fractured. And he says you can pray for protection. He says there, uh, and lead us not into temptation. Or testing, it's the same word there. And this little kind of list is Jesus' way of saying, well, look, these are the things that really matter in our lives, aren't they? We need stuff to survive. We need somewhere to live. We need a food. You can ask God for that. He'll help you with that. We need forgiveness. We need a right relationship with him. We need our relationships with one another to be healthy and good so we can be praying about forgiveness for one another and from one another. And, you know, life can be hard. There can be kind of evil and trials and testing. And, and we, need, we can pray that God will protect us. It's interesting, we, uh, during the 24-7 prayer week, we, we had the Lord's Prayer, didn't we, in that room. And each of the phrases were in different parts of the room. And when you went into the room, you, you saw that these things, you know, there's a long way, lots of places you can go praying for these things. And people wrote in a book, didn't they? You know, lots of things. People said, I'm praying for this, I'm praying for that. People stuck things on the wall. Uh, and and you, you, it was very clear to see that, that, in a way, these are headlines of really quite big stuff when you start to uh, unpack it and pray those things. And then did you notice what the prayer assumes? What's behind this prayer? A couple of things. It says, the Lord leads us. It says, lead us not into temptation within the prayer uh, jesus is assuming that 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 god is with us that he leads us that he is with us in our lives and as we pray we're praying that he will lead us and you know as we go through the day we can be aware of god's presence and, and ask you lord you know help me with this or that or whatever he's with us and as we stay close to him so we're not overwhelmed by trouble or we're not overwhelmed by temptation as he leads us through. Did you notice as well? We need each other. There's some interesting words. The little words are often interesting, aren't they? I'm thinking of a three-letter word in verse 3. Our. <laughs> verse 4, our. Verse 4, two-letter word, us. We need each other. This is a prayer we, we need, kind of need to pray together. That's why it's good sometimes to pray it all at once. But the point Jesus is making is that if you live in a community, then these things are part of our life together as a community, as a church family. So Jesus uh, tells us how to pray. Now, some of us maybe can find prayer really difficult because we think, well, I just don't know what to say. I don't know where to start. And Jesus' answer to that is, here's a prayer This is where you can start. You can pray this prayer and you can pray it with others as well. So that's a a first kind of step. Let's uh, move on. Jesus is going to take us further than this. He takes them further than this. And he's going to show us not only how we can pray, but why. Why can we pray? And he tells them a story Do you like stories? This is a cracker. Uh, He tells them a story about a friend you can never bother too much. Shall we read the story? It's in verse 5. Then he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and he goes to him at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. 
Then the one inside answers, oh, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children are with me in bed. I, I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he's his friend, yet because of the man's boldness or the man's persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I, so I say to you, ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. And each time that, that the, 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 the phrase in the original has the idea of ask and keep asking, seek and keep seeking, knock and keep knocking. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be open. Let's take a look at it. A friend who you can call on for help at any time. We're often used to thinking of God as father, but here Jesus is saying, I want you to think of God as a friend, a really good friend, a really close friend. The story is, you know, you live in your Middle Eastern village, and uh, yeah, we heard about Middle Eastern hospitality last week. Graphically, Lou described it to us, so I won't try and go back there. But, but we learned, didn't we, that food for visitors is a really big deal. It's really important that if you've got visitors, they arrive, you've got to give them food. And disaster has struck because the guy's got visitors with his family and there's no food to give them. Maybe they arrive late. Imagine you're that person. The visitors have arrived late. Maybe you haven't got any food. You didn't get any that day. From the, or you've, your kids have eaten all your bread. Or maybe you, they were coming and you forgot. Or you didn't know. But well, for whatever reason, there's no food. So what do you do? You go to your really good friend next door. And you say, oh, give me, can you give me some bread? Because I need to give it. And, you, and, and next door, in that culture, at the time, everybody kind of, the, the houses were like one big room and the door was barred and everyone was asleep. It's midnight and, you know, in those cultures, people go to bed pretty early when there's no lights outside and stuff. So it's really the middle of the night. And they say, oh, I'm asleep and I'm in bed. And you, but you keep asking, you keep knocking on the door and eventually they give you the food. That's the story. And Jesus is saying to the, his disciples, you can be like the man who needs bread. It's okay to keep asking. That's the point. It's okay to keep asking because the Lord, he said, is the friend, he's like your neighbor, who actually it's okay to bother any time. Because you know, anyone who knows the Middle East and the disciples all around would, would know perfectly well that, that this story is not going to end with the neighbor not getting up. There's no, just no way the neighbor or the friend would not get up and give bread. Because they're your friend, and your friendship really matters. And okay, it may be a long time, but they're going to get up and you can keep asking. And in the morning, they're not going to say, why did you ask? They're going to be glad that they were able to help you because they're your friend. They're your neighbor. And that's the story that Jesus is telling them. It's okay to keep asking. He's the friend. You can never bother too much. See, he's not saying, let me just say, he's not saying that God will only answer your prayer because you keep asking. He's saying, because he's a friend, you can keep asking. That's the point. It's okay to keep asking. As verses 9 and 10 make very clear, don't they? He says, and because of that, therefore, he said, I tell you, ask and keep asking. Knock and keep, uh, seek and, and you'll find and so on. Ask and you will receive, he says. Ask and it will be given to you. Prayer can be like that. We need to ask. Sometimes we don't have what we need to give others. Ever had that experience in our lives? 
may not be bread, might be, might be other stuff. That person, they're just in a state. You know, what they tell the story, they tell you, you just don't know what to do. I won't go into the details. Iris and I visited somebody once uh, who was in such distress. We just did not know what to do. Lord, give me something to say to this person. And he did. And he came in and changed the situation dramatically. How often do we find ourselves, I guess we often would if we stopped and thought about it, find ourselves in that kind of situation. This person needs something from me. I haven't got it. Lord, would you give it to me, please? Ask and you will receive. Keep asking. Seek, he says, and you will find. Keep seeking. Seeking is that idea of pursuing God. The disciples would be familiar with what the Old Testament said about seeking the Lord, seeking him, looking for him, pursuing what he wants. Again, that's what these 21 days of prayer are about. In our prayer times, we are, we are, we are not just, as, as Martin says, praying around the world, you know, praying for every street in Southampton or every person in Southampton. What we're trying to do is say, God, we want to know what your heart is for this city. We want to be kind of pressing in and keep pushing in, Father, to, to what you want. Please tell us what you want. Seeking him. There's a, a verse in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 12. At a time of great crisis... One of the leaders of Israel prayed like this. He said, we have no power. We don't know what to do. But our eyes are on you. That's what we're doing as we seek God. And knocking, with knocking comes the idea of of going into God's presence. We're free to enter God's presence anytime. Or maybe it has the idea of doors being opened that are closed. Situations that seem to be shut, closed. And Jesus repeats it in verse 10. He says it once in verse 9. says the same thing in verse 10. A couple of things to notice. Who makes it happen? It will be given you. Who gives it? God gives it. It will be opened to you. Who opens it? God opens it. You will find. Who finds it? You do. Notice that? It's a lovely blend of what God does and what we do. And prayer is about that, isn't it? It's about looking to God for what he can do, but he works in answer to our prayers. And that kind of, it's almost like a a circle that's going on all the time. We pray, God answers. God prompts us, gives the prayer to us, we pray it. He answers and so it goes on. It's why there's such a great security, there's such joy in prayer. We don't have to worry about whether it's all going to be okay or not because God is involved in the process as we shall see. So we have a friend we can keep asking. And some people with prayer uh, come, come to it like this, say, well, I'm just too embarrassed. I'm too embarrassed to keep asking. You know, I don't like, it. I don't like asking people for things. And let alone God... Well, if you've got a close friend, you ask them, don't you? Sometimes we don't, sadly. Our culture's too miserable for that. But if you ask a Middle Eastern person, if you've got a friend, you'll ask them for anything because they're your friend. And if you didn't ask them, they'd be insulted. If they're your friend and they knew you were in trouble and you hadn't asked them, they'd say, what's the matter with you? I'm your friend. I'm your family. Why didn't you ask me? And Jesus is saying, God is like that. You don't have to be embarrassed about keeping asking him. 
It's okay. Don't be embarrassed. He's the friend who cannot be bothered too much. And finally, you're going to have to really rush by this. The, third, the other thing Jesus says about God is that we can pray because we have a father we can trust. It's a very quick, it's a very obvious point. Look at verse 11. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Jesus says, you know, you wouldn't give your son if he wants uh, an egg. You wouldn't give him a scorpion. (laughs) It's a joke, isn't it, really? No. If he wants a fish, you're going to give him a snake? No. He said, well, if you're like that, well, how much more so? Is God's going to want to give you good things? You can trust him. God is longing to give good gifts. He's not going to harm us as he gets involved in our lives, as he answers our prayers. We can trust him with the answers. We can trust him with our lives. And what does he give? He gives us himself. How about that? He gives us his Holy Spirit. Now, if I had time, I'm afraid I don't. I was going to read John 15, uh, John 14. That should be John 14, 15 to 27. Perhaps you'd like to read that yourself. But in that passage, Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit coming to us. Now, I'm going to pick out some phrases. Jesus says the Holy Spirit helps us. And if he helps us any way, he helps us pray. Jesus says in that passage, I will come to you, he promises the disciples. I will come. I will be in your life. And he's talking about how the Holy Spirit helps. Jesus says to his disciples, the Holy Spirit will teach you in that passage. And Jesus says to him about to his disciples about himself and his father. He says, we will come and make our home in the person who obeys me and keeps my, follows me and keeps my teaching. So we can pray out of relationship. Christ in us by the Holy Spirit. We have a father we can trust who gives us his Holy Spirit, who comes into our lives to help us in many ways, to help us to pray. So let's go back to those questions or what we sometimes think about praying. Are you a bit scared of asking? Scared of what we might receive? Maybe you think God's going to give you something bad if you start asking him for anything. Well, Jesus says God can be trusted. He's a good father. He gives us himself. Because that means as he comes with himself, he might change us. And make us want what he wants. And we discover what we think might be terrible is actually his best for us. But he will change us. He comes. We can trust him. Maybe we can be embarrassed about asking too much. Jesus says, don't be about embarrassed about asking. He's the friend who will respond. Sometimes we may think, well, I just don't know what to say. Jesus would say, well, start with that, that prayer. Pray that disciple's prayer. Ask God for food or the equivalent, for forgiveness, for right relationships, for protection. Start there. Why not ask? If you never prayed before, ask him for one of those things right away and begin. Jesus shows us how to pray.
Are we going to follow him into that? I'm going to hand back to Lou. Let's just, uh, I'll pray as uh, she comes. Lord, we want to commit what we've thought about today. We pray that we may know you coming into our lives afresh for each day. That we may realize that you give us good gifts. You give us yourself. And that by your Holy Spirit, you will lead us deeper into a walking with you and in a prayer life that is fruitful. We pray in Jesus' name.